Welcome to the Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii. I'm your host, Joe McGarry. Our guest today is Jason Higa. He's the CEO of FCH Enterprises, which includes Zippy's Restaurants, Napoleon's Bakery, Food Solutions International, a catered experience, and Kahala and Pearl City Sushi. Prior to joining FCH Enterprises, Jason worked as a Honolulu attorney from 1990 to 1995, working in the areas of litigation and transactional law. In 1995, he returned to FCH Enterprises and worked in different positions with the family business before assuming the position of CEO and president in 2003. Jason currently serves in the position of CEO for FCH Enterprises. Welcome. How are you? Thank you, Joel. Thanks for having me. So nice to see you. You know, I could, I always have to smile when I think about Zippies. I mean, it's just, we were just going to start talking about a program that you guys are promoting. And I thought, nope, we have to talk about Zippies first, right? So how old is Zippies now? How long has it been since um, the beginning? So we started, um, we opened our doors October 17, 1966. So wow. we're going to be uh, 56 years old. Uh, yeah. Uh, next month 56 yeah. years old and still growing and still adding companies and how different is it from the zip the original idea of zippies well it's it's interesting you know so Z zippies was started by my father and uncle my father francis my yes. uncle charlie and uh when they first opened their first location they really did not have this expectation or, or, or dream of the company that it, it grew to. Um, they were intent on making sure that this one location was successful. So the story is, is that an older couple who was operating a drive-in in Kaimoki approached the two young brothers and said, hey, you know, we want to retire. Would you be interested in running our drive-in? And that was really the first thought for the two young brothers that hey, we could open a second location. And that was a great learning experience for them because they they quickly realized that this created greater opportunities for their 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 uh, employees to advance into management. Uh, it created greater leverage in terms of their purchasing power. So once the second location, which was Kaimoki Zippies, opened the third, fourth, and fifth location were quickly uh, opened in, in over the next uh, three to four years. And that really started the whole foundation of the company that exists today. You know, I was really fortunate to, to spend some time with your uncle and your father when I was writing for uh, Midweek and interview them and really get to know a little bit about them and their philosophy. And I think the charming thing about them was just always that that humility just never went away ever. I mean, here they are, these, you know, founders of this immense company that has changed with the decades, you know, didn't stay the same, didn't stay. I mean, some of your dishes may be the same, but you're not rooted in the 1950s. And yet still these very just humble and and lovely, actually, you know, older gentlemen. It must have been kind of kind of fun growing up under that influence. Well, you know, it it uh 
they were very humble, number one. Um, and that's a value that we, you know, uh, keep today. It's one of our core values, uh, really one, one of the foundations of, of, of our company. Um, growing up, you know, I, I definitely grew up with the family business. My first job was at Zippy's, of course, and, uh, you know, worked uh, throughout high school. But, you know, to be honest, what, you know, my father was always working. Uh, we were open 24 hours from day one. So his shift was from 8 p.m. till 6 in the morning. My uncle Charlie would come in at, at uh, early in the morning and work till the late evening, and they did this 24-hour, you know, um, oh. shifts. You so know, you to, hardly saw them really yes, growing up. Yes, yes, but I think that's typical of many restaurant, um, you know, uh, families in the early years. And then later on, in, you know, as uh, Francis was able to, uh, you know, bring in managers and, and I think both for Francis and Charlie, they found opportunity to, uh, you know, have more of a, of a regular kind of uh, schedule, but they still worked, you know, six days a week and often seven days a week and were very hard workers. Probably because it was fun as well though, right? I mean, there's something about when you meet people who, you know, they love what they do. Why would yeah. they do anything else except work? Yeah. You, you know, one of the things, Jason, about Zippies, I think that's so interesting um, is that your growth has been, it, it hasn't just been, oh, let's just do a different menu or let's just open another Zippies. I mean, you guys were the first, for example, to, to establish, you know, a, a huge commercial kitchen, like way before anybody else was thinking digital kitchens or, you know, ghost kitchens or or really having a, a place where you could do a massive quantity of scale. And that was, a, I mean, I remember when that opened, that was a long time ago, right? Don't say how long ago it was. <laughs> it was a long time ago. It's like yeah. five years ago. <laughs> no, but you were really ahead of the the curve and, and, and in everything that you've done and all the businesses that you've kind of acquired, is that something that's really important to you in growth? Are you always looking for, okay, how can we lead the next way, what can we do next? Yeah, uh, Francis and Charlie were, were very visionary in, in how they looked at things. Uh, you know, opening 24 hours a day from day one was uh, very unusual at that time. They were one of the few options. Uh, we had both a takeout fast food operation as well as a sit-down dining also from day one. And, you know, that's a, a very unusual way to operate for a restaurant if, if you think about it. Um, and central production was something that we started from uh, this, having the second location. We would cook the chili, stews, curries um, at our original location in McCulley and we would uh, put them in in pans and uh, the story was it went on the back of a station wagon and was driven to you know uh, Kaimoki Zippies and then the third fourth and fifth location so we had uh, this model of a central production and, and delivery from very early on uh, we quickly required a central uh, a dedicated facility, which we, um, you know, created on South King Street. And then the current facility, which is opened, I, I, 
in 98 um, is our, you know, third version. And it's a USDA mm -hmm. certified kitchen. We have a federal inspector on premise every day, but that allows us to produce products for other companies. We can produce our retail chili, which is sold in local supermarkets and on the West Coast. So it, it really is giving us a, a lot of opportunities, the consistency, the safety of the products that are produced, um, and and just the quality of, of what we can produce centrally. And if you ever needed to see an example of visionary, it, it's in that model because although you started all of this way back in the, I mean, not the original stories, but this kind of development, you know, in the 80s and 90s, today, that's exactly where restaurants are headed. They all want to have takeout, delivery, and the option to dine outside. Everybody wants smaller take out windows to go and big commercial kitchens. I always say to everyone, if anyone wants to invest in just building commercial kitchens, we will fill them up for you before you've even broken ground because that's what people want. Now, to me, that's what's so fascinating is that is that Zippies have really been ahead of the curve on all of this. I mean, it's really, everyone's to be congratulated in having that vision and carrying it out. You know, you guys did it. And yeah, thank you. And, and, you know, no one, I think, could have anticipated the uh, pandemic and how that would impact uh, a restaurant operator. And for us, we were very fortunate to have the takeout component, yeah. uh, you know, at a time when dine-in was, was shut down, you know, for many months. And, and even as it was reopened, um, you know, uh, many of our customers were hesitant to return to to uh, a dine-in. So the fast food has really carried us. And even today, it's a major component. Uh, and you're exactly right. I mean, it was a pivotal part of our operation, especially during the pandemic. So inspiring, it really is. And I'm, I'm glad that we had a few minutes just to chat about this because I think for a lot of people, they, they see Zippies and they know their local Zippies, but they don't really give that much thought to the, the behind operation of how it all works and how really so well put together it is. I'm a huge fan of, of, of all of it ever since, you know, meeting your dad and Charlie. Now, we want to talk today, although I would like to keep on talking about Zippies because I think it's so interesting. Can you come back, can you? And we'll just talk about Zippies more sure. because that would be really a nice, I think, long conversation just about operations and how you manage. And, and, and I think especially too, because you were kind of a model made for a pandemic. I mean, as you say, nobody could predict it, but if anyone was in a good position to, to weather it, it, it was you guys. Um, but you have now, Something happened during the pandemic and you started this initiative that's called Movers and Shakas. And it's so fascinating to me, the response that this got. Tell us a little bit about Movers and Shakas and how that original seed of an idea started. Sure. It, it you know, this was really at the early months of the pandemic and um, tourism had been shut down, uh, literally, you know, zero uh, visitors. And a number of us in the community. So we have an advisory board of nine members. Um, some of the uh, members include uh, Denise Yamaguchi of the White Food and Wine Festival, um, Ben and Chetta um, of Inconin, and, and a, a number of other important individuals. And we started to talk about, you know, wh what could we do within the business community to, to, to help? And we, we 
we saw that many of our local kids that were working on in mainland companies were coming home because they could and they continued to work remotely and we started reading about the 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 advent of remote workers you know in other countries across the nation and we really felt that Hawaii uh you know provided an opportunity and we came up with a program movers and shakas which was not just about bringing remote workers to Hawaii, but pairing them with local nonprofits to help local nonprofits and doing everything from creating a website, creating a, an app, uh, helping them with strategic planning. And these were highly qualified individuals that were employed in very important positions. We had over 90,000 applicants for 90, the first. 90,000. Yeah. Seriously? And that, that gave us an opportunity to really pick and choose, you know, high quality individuals. Uh, we were looking for individuals that already gave back to their local community and would be willing to do so here in Hawaii. And, and we found some, you know, great people. 50 cohorts, uh, came to Hawaii. Um, we did two, two cohorts, but over time, you know, the, the need, uh, for, uh, helping the local economy waned as as the visitor market came back. But what we realized is that in the process of creating the movers and shakas, we created an enculturation program because we were very intent on making sure that the remote workers would be able to work effectively with the local nonprofits. So we took them through a series of classes, courses, experiences to understand what the, our local culture was like, um, how things were done in, in Hawaii. And so today we've created what we call a Hawaii um, talent onboarding program or high top. And high top is really focused on the talent that many companies uh, recruit and bring to Hawaii. And we all know the stories of, of a high level executive that leaves, you know, within 12 months because they, they, Hawaii is not what they expected or they found challenges integrating in the local community or it could be their significant other that, that had those challenges. So high top is really designed in a six week program once a week, but we do very intentional experiences to help them to understand really what the culture in Hawaii is about and how to be effective as in, in their business. So that's really where we are today. And I yeah, appreciate just the ability to share more about where movers and shakas and, and our recent high top program. So from, from a start that was just explosive with people wanting to come back to Hawaii and to work remotely in Hawaii and to come new to Hawaii you realized right away that there was such a need for this. Um, the idea of this uh, this being really high-level executive people is, I think, really an important part of it because, you know, while we want homegrown talent in Hawaii, we want people staying here who are born and raised here, we also need a little bit of that injection of very high-level, whether it's in, you know, the medical field or any kind of business, to just keep things going, to mentor, to show people. And I'm imagining that's part of why the program is so important to you guys. No, exactly. And we really do see long-term benefits for the state of Hawaii as we are able to retain the talent that 
that is coming into Hawaii. And, and many of the talent are former Kama'aina, you know, that have been away for upwards of 10 to 20 years. They've, they've grown their experience and skill level. Um, they've, they're at a point in their lives where they want to come home. They often come back with a spouse. Um, and uh, in those situations, they too have challenges of, of, of coming back and, and uh, enculturating, you know, in, in the local business environment. So um, we, we have a number of former Kamaina that have been part of the program. Um, but yeah, we re really, um, uh, and we found that, you know, when we spoke to companies, they understood the program within three minutes, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, uh, the need for it. and the need for it. And to your point, healthcare. So Hawaii Pacific Health, Queens, uh, banks um, have all jumped in and uh, uh, sent, you know, executives through. We, we've also brought through the military um, and we brought through public school teachers and those Individuals are sponsored by uh, some um, of our uh, sponsoring companies like United Airlines. And so there, there's a need, uh, you know, at many different levels within our community. And, and that's where we're trying to build a program, a model for really assisting uh, individuals coming into Hawaii. It's so interesting because, you know, one of the things that we've heard for decades, all of us who live and work here, is that people come to Hawaii and they say, well, you know, Hawaii is just like anywhere else, right? And we look at them and we go, hmm, no, it's not. And wrapped into that is another thing when, when new workforce arrives, is that some people look like they've come from Hawaii and they're born and raised in Hawaii. And some people are born and raised in Hawaii and they don't look like they're local. And that might not be something that people talk about a lot, but it's very present, I think, in a workforce. Because there's, if you think someone's local, you're, you have an expectation of how they're going to behave. And if they don't know how to live up to that, I think sometimes that can be problematic in a, in a workforce on any level. Um, what kind of benefits are you finding for organizations because of this program? Yeah, so we, we one thing that we've done um, very intently is to survey. So we not just survey the participants, we survey uh, the, their immediate manager and the company um, and to see what their uh, experiences have been as the program has ended, as these individuals have returned into the work environment. And, and the survey results have, have been over the top positive. And, uh, you know, anecdotally through the program, we, we found many, uh, instances where there was great discussion. We, we broke the group of about 30 into smaller, uh, groups where they could just talk. Know, talk story, talk among themselves, talk about the situations and challenges they've encountered. And what they found is that many of those challenges were shared by others. And we also had a mix of individuals that, that um, came to Hawaii and uh, did so successfully in terms of integration. So we created opportunities for them to meet and to, uh, you know, talk about what, what has helped them to succeed uh, in the local community. And so, yeah, it, it was just 
um, you know, very validating that there is this need within our community for this type of program. And, and so Movers and Shakas is a nonprofit. We're just trying to get this program started, and we're really hopeful that this could be a long-term program for the benefit of the individuals, the participating businesses, and, and the state, you know, as a whole. So, so tell us how pe- people can find out more. I mean, who should be applying to this program? Who should be inquiring about it? How do they do that? Give us all of those good things. Yeah, so, so moversandshakas.org. Uh, we have a page dedicated to this program. We have the application uh, form there. Our second uh, high top program is starting on October First, uh, and we will have additional high top programs going into next year. But the ideal candidate is is someone that has um, you know uh, come to Hawaii in, in say the last twenty four months. And I say twenty four months because during the pandemic, many individuals just have not had the same opportunity within the community because of the pandemic to really grow relationships, to create relationships, um, and, and to really learn about our culture. Um, so we're, we've really advocated anyone new to the community. Um, it could be a former Kama Aina if they've been away for a long period. Um, but what we're finding is that there, there's a, you know, steady stream of demand, you know, to enter into the high top program. So, um, yeah, we, we're just really hopeful for where this could, uh, take us. I can see lots of possibilities. It's a fascinating program with a, a really interesting beginning. And uh, we encourage everybody, business owners or otherwise, to go to the website and to find out more. Now, I want you to promise that you'll come back and talk more about Zippies another time before we let you go. I will. I appreciate uh, being here. Jason Higa is the Chief Executive Officer of FCH Enterprise. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Joe. All episodes of our podcasts are available wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Chamber's website, cochawaii.org. And if you enjoyed today's interviews, please subscribe on the app of your choice and leave us a review because your review can encourage other people to listen and that in turn will help the business community to continue to thrive locally, nationally, and even globally. You've been listening to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, presented by Altris. Join us next time for more stories of Hawaii's business.